Lord, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for your presence. Holy Spirit, you are the teacher. We truly have no need that anyone teach us, but we do need you to teach us, Holy Spirit. So I pray you'd use these these weak words of mine and speak powerfully into the hearts of your people this morning, God. I pray for words from heaven this morning. No words of man, no words of the flesh, no waste of time here, Lord. And I ask for ears to hear for all of us, God. And I pray for distractions to be lifted in Jesus' name. I pray for fire this morning from your word, Lord, that would set our hearts ablaze. I pray these seeds that are about to be cast would fall on good soil, God, of our hearts. I pray for no hardness of heart this morning. I pray for receptivity and teachability, Lord, humility to receive the implanted word which is able to save our souls, God. So we give you our attention, we give you our minds, and we pray, open them to understand your word. Jesus, open our minds now, we pray, to understand your word. Guys, I'm just going to ask you again, just pray over yourself here this morning. I do not need you to listen to me, but we all need to listen to the word of the Lord today. And Jesus is the only one that can help us to understand. Jesus opened their mind to understand the scriptures is what Luke 24 says. So just pray, Lord, open my mind to hear your word. Matthew chapter 12, verse 42. The queen of the south, or the queen of Sheba, will rise at the judgment with this generation and she will condemn it. Why? For she came from the ends of the earth to listen to Solomon's wisdom. And now something greater than Solomon is here. And his name is? Absolutely. The queen of the south, this word was so in my heart this morning, traveled 1,500 miles from modern-day Yemen with her caravan filled with gold and precious jewels and spices. Probably took 75-ish days one way to get there. And she delivers to Solomon because she wants to transact with him She delivers to Solomon so much spice that it could not be measured or counted. Never had that much spice come into the house of the Lord. And she delivers him four and a half tons of gold. The modern day equivalent around $30 million. After traveling 75 days one way. A pagan to listen to Solomon's wisdom. And she goes and she plies him with hard questions. 1 Kings 10, read this. She plies him and again and again and again and asks him these questions. And he had no trouble answering all of her questions. And it says at one point that she's overwhelmed with his wisdom and she gives glory to the Lord. And so the Lord says, Jesus says, the queen of the south 
will rise up on the last day and she will bring judgment on all y'all who are not willing to travel and to expend even a little bit of energy to go get wisdom. You don't have to travel 75 days and you can keep your $30 million. But you do have to go get wisdom. You have to seek it out. And so I want to pick up where I left off last week. I, t- I took just a few minutes last week to share. I want to I go back to that and share more of what's in my heart in this season about the fear of the Lord. And so I want to go to Solomon's book, uh, Proverbs, if you would. Take a left with me right after, right after Psalms here. Solomon, author of Proverbs, wrote three different books. Proverbs here, the book of wisdom. He also wrote Ecclesiastes, which is more or less a, a sermon or a, a dirge with, with ends with nothing really matters and, and everything matters. It's kind of a unique book. Only fearing God and honoring his commandments. Everything else is vanity. And then he wrote his third book. Anybody remember what that was called? Song of Solomon. This beautiful poem, uh, the, the representation of Christ and, and his church. Solomon's daddy was David. And so this book of Proverbs, is, it's, it's about a son receiving instruction from his father. He wrote most of the 31 chapters, about 24 chapters, and then others wrote the rest. But this book is a book of wisdom. And a, a proverb, and I, you know this, but just so we're on the same page, it's a short sentence filled with divine wisdom, memorable uh, it's like a, a maxim or a moral uh, axiom. It's, it's a truism. It's a, it's a statement. I said in house church, uh, what you sow, this you will also reap. That's a truism, right? It's, a, it's, it's true no matter what culture you're in. And so there's these little uh, snippets of divine wisdom that we get that's, that are memorable. And the very first one is in Proverbs 1.7. And the very first proverb that we get in the entire book is this. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. A truism. You want to begin in the works of knowledge. You want to go deep in understanding. Then you start with the fear of the Lord. But if you're a fool, you despise that. The word uh, proverb is mashal. And it's an interesting word because the, the root word is rule or reign. And, and so really the, the point of this book is that the Lord wants us to learn to win at life. But not win like, you know, the prosperity, health, wealth, uh, everything, you know. But to win, to walk in wisdom is, is to walk in your authority that God gave you in the garden that you and I gave up in the garden that we got back on the cross of Christ. And Jesus says, now all authority in heaven and earth is given to me. And so to learn to walk in authority and wisdom is to learn to walk in a winning way in life. And so Proverbs is to help us to do that. So the root word is so important to remember what the Lord is getting us to. Wisdom that that he's trying to get us to walk in is preeminent over knowledge. So knowledge is like the collection of facts, and wisdom is the appropriate use of those facts. Uh, Knowledge is like having a whole bunch of dollar bills, and wisdom is like the investment strategy. What do you do with that? You can have a whole bunch of good information, but knowing how to apply it to daily life is the difference between knowledge 
and wisdom. And so we talked last week about the fear of the Lord. And I said that, number one, it's reverential awe, which is living in the light of Proverbs 5.21, which says that all of your ways are in full view of the Lord and living in the dark like you live in the light. Number two, the fear of the Lord is a choice. According to Proverbs chapter one, you choose it or you choose to deny it. Number three, the fear of the Lord is described as hating evil. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. And again, we talked about the sevenfold spirit in Revelation before the throne of God. It's mentioned multiple times through Revelation. What is the sevenfold spirit? We unpacked that last week from Isaiah chapter 11. The spirit of knowledge, the spirit of wisdom, and the last description in that, that sevenfold spirit is the spirit of the fear of the Lord. Did you know that that's a spirit? Just like the spirit of fear is a spirit. Or the spirit of wisdom and revelation in Ephesians 1 is a spirit. Well, there's a spirit of the fear of the Lord. And it says that Jesus delighted in the fear of the Lord. And I talked about last week, because he was the template, because he was the model for us to to imitate, his delight was in doing only what the Lord was doing and saying only what the Lord was saying. He never strayed from that. Well, then one of the places I finished last week was in Proverbs 22.4, where it says, humility is the fear of the Lord. Humility, it could, could be exchanged with the fear of the Lord. They're equivalent expressions. And other translations say, humility leads to the fear of the Lord. And that's so important, I think. It's so close, but, but, but think with me the difference between understanding Proverbs 1-7 with that phrase. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Or humility is the beginning of wisdom. That's another way to say that. So equivalent expressions in math mean you can use one for the other, right, Joanne? And so we're going to say the fear of the Lord in another way of saying it is just simply being humble. Just simply being teachable. And that's really what I want to jump off on today is the difference between uh, teachability in a person and, and hard-heartedness and stiff-neckedness. We talked about last week, receiving a rebuke from a righteous man or a righteous woman is like oil on your head. And oil in the Old Testament is always used as a sign of promotion or kingship. And so when I receive, I mentioned Joanne's rebuke that she gave me years ago, when I choose to receive that, I, I'm, I take a promotion in the spirit realm. Doesn't mean I accept condemnation or any of that junk, but when I get a genuine, sincere rebuke from a brother or sister, and I take it, and I hold on, I embrace the cross, I'm moving up and not down. Okay, so we talked about Christ being our wisdom. All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hid in Christ Jesus. And I talked about a gun safe up here, if you were here last week, and, and all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge being like in a vial, precious ointment. And we put it inside the gun safe and we close the big door. And what's the code? And I said, the code is the fear of the Lord. That's how we get in. It's in Christ Jesus. I've got all the wisdom, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge inside of me right now in Christ Jesus. I don't have to go attain it. I don't have to go learn it, anything like that. I got it in me. Now I want to get it out of me. What does that look like? So the primary thought through this book here is teachability or your ability to listen with two ears and one mouth and receive correction or instruction. Does anyone have kids or know anyone who has kids? 
Okay. It's very applicable here, very applicable as the children of God here. Okay. So I want to take you on uh, just a little bit of a journey through some Proverbs, and we're going to finish up in 1 Peter chapter 5 here today. So look with me in Proverbs 1, 22. How long will you who are simple love your simple ways? This is what wisdom says. She stands up and says this, says it aloud. How long will you who are simple love your simple ways? How long will mockers delight in mockery and fools hate knowledge? Repent at my rebuke, wisdom says. Then, if you do that, then I will pour out my spirit on you, or my thoughts on you. I will make known to you my teaching. Primary, the beginning is to repent and change your mind. And then, and then wisdom says, I'll pour it out. You just wait. I'm going to pour it out on you. Look with me in chapter 2 at these three if contingencies. I'm borrowing from Mike Bickle here. He, he taught so well on this. Chapter 2. My son, here's three conditional promises for you. If, big, I-F. Number one, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding. Indeed, number two, if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding. And number three, and if you look for it and seek it as silver and search for it as hidden treasure, then the payoff is that you will understand the fear of the Lord and you will find or discover the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom and from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. Why is this such a big deal? Well, because when we're born into the faith, when we, when we become believers, a lot of times I think we think it just stops there. I, Norma and uh, uh, John and Norma Donovan were over last night for dinner. Do yourself a favor and eat dinner with them sometime. And we were talking about lordship and how that's so lost in the church, it seems like. And I think sometimes when, when we become believers, we forget that that's the beginning, not the end, right? When we say yes to Jesus, he's our savior, but he's our Lord, and so we have these conditions. Look, it's, it's contingent upon if. If you have a life in the word, if you store up your commands within you and turn your ear to wisdom, if you have a life of intercession, if you call out for insight and cry aloud and begin to interact with the Lord in the secret place, and if you have a life of pursuit and you seek for it as silver and search for it as hidden treasure, a life in the word, life of intercession, life of pursuit, then you know the Lord. But if you don't, you won't. And, and this, this is a big deal for us to understand what he wants to get us to is he wants to share wisdom with us. We're going to the bank of wisdom, the unending resource and saying, give me some of what you have. And he says, this is how you do it. You get in the word, you get in prayer in the secret place and you keep pursuing. You keep pursuing. You're searching it out like silver. And so then we get to the big chapter, in my opinion, chapter three in Proverbs. This is the famous one that's quoted all the time. And it's quoted because it's so stinking good. 35 verses of just pure awesomeness. And then you get to, you know, this is the one, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your understanding and all your ways acknowledge him will make your path straight. Well, then you get to verse 7, and this is the bada bing here of chapter 3, in my opinion. The big letter commandment, do not be 
wise in your own eyes. Say it with me together, church. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Let's say it again. One last time. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Woo! You can go home now. Take that with you. I'm kidding. But if you don't hear anything else today, that, and I'll tell you why here in just a minute. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. Now, do you see the opposites here? You can be wise in your own eyes, or you can fear the Lord and become wise. Those are your two options. Because what happened to you and me was we fell in the garden with Adam, yeah? And when we fell, something happened inside of us. Sam says our soul got bloated. It got real big. What happened was we became the center of our experience in our lives. Self-centeredness became the very essence of our problem. Sin and mess and destruction and ultimately leading to death. We became God-centered and, and all this. We were God-centered. We became self-centered. And then the cross comes, and what does that do? Well, it pops the zit, right? It decentralizes us. It puts us to, the cross puts us to, it, it kills the criminal. Who's the criminal? I am. And so this beautiful work of decentralization is a very painful process. And so we, God's goal now is to reduce us. We, we said it earlier in worship. He must increase and we must decrease. God has a very special plan for your life. What is it? To kill you. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, this doesn't preach very well in modern circles. God has a plan for your life. And Jeremiah 29, 11 is awesome. But listen, you got to start at the beginning. He's trying to kill you. <laughs> I'm sorry. He's not trying to, to make you handsome, rich, and wise, and all the things. All that's like really cool. It comes after, there's cool stuff in this life. But listen, he's trying to reduce you that he might live through you. He's trying to build you up where? In Christ. I no longer live. I've been crucified with Christ, but he lives in me. And so anywhere where I'm living and I'm showing off and I'm, when people smell me or see me or want to be, whatever it is, I got to die. So it says here, Alexander McLaren writes this, every step on the pathway of spiritual progress will be marked by the bloody footprints of wounded self-love. Every step on the pathway of spiritual progress will be marked by the bloody footprints of wounded self-love. Love yourself. Yes, I'm not saying you just deny, you know, you, you hurt yourself. No, we're not flogging ourselves here. But I'm saying that love of self that started in the garden with the devil, that must be put to death. We have to deny ourselves, take up our cross and follow him. And so he is saying, do not be wise in your own eyes, fear the Lord, because he wants us to be decentralized here. Look at chapter 4, verse 7. The beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom, meaning 
I need something that I do not now currently have. That's the beginning of walking in a humble, wise way. The beginning is to say, I need it because I lack it. And look with me in chapter 6 here. This, this word to a son from a father. My son, keep your father's command and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Verse 21, bind them always on your heart, fasten them around your neck. When you walk, they will guide you. What's they? It's your father's command and your mother's teaching. Who's your father? God. Who's your mother? Wisdom in this context here. Walk, when you walk, they, the command and the teaching, will guide you. When you sleep, they will watch over you. When you awake, they will speak to you. Listen, listen, listen. Verse 23, listen. Parents with kids, this is why we value training our children, the discipline and admonition of the Lord. For this command, the Father's command, is a lamp. And this teaching, the spirit of wisdom, mother's teaching, is the light within the lamp and correction and instruction are the way to life. 2 Timothy 3 says it'll be terrible times in the last days. Horrible, abusive, lovers of money, lovers of self. Do you know what item number six is on this horrible list of things that describe the last days? disobedient to parents. It's crazy to me that that's in there as a sign of the terrible times in the last days. Why is that? Well, because children that learn to obey and learn to listen to the voice of their parents are children who learn to obey and listen to the voice of their heavenly father. That's the whole point. We're making disciples, not robots. This is the way to life. I'm showing my babies the way to walk in life, the way of wisdom, to listen and respond to correction and instruction and not stiff arm and not have a stiff neck to it. I want them to be teachable. And, and chapter 10, verse 17 says it in this way. Whoever heeds discipline or listens to it shows the way to life. Opposite side, whoever ignores correction not only leads himself astray, they lead others astray. You will lead others astray if you ignore correction. Chapter 19 says it this way. We're almost done with Proverbs here. Stay with me. Chapter 19, verse 20 says, listen to advice and accept discipline. Listen with your ears and accept discipline in your heart. And the end, you'll be counted among the wise. Other option is verse 27. Stop listening to instruction, my son, and you will stray from the words of knowledge. I'm seeing it all over the place today. Well, maybe the Bible isn't 100% accurate. Maybe there's some things in here that were just good ideas, but not true. Maybe this podcast should inform me on how I should think about the world and not the scripture. Maybe worldly insight is more important than the Bible. And so what I'm seeing, my perspective is, that some people have just stopped listening to sound doctrine and instruction. I don't need that anymore. They've been offended at the church, whatever the story, their story might be, they've left. And what they've done is Hebrews 2.1, where it says we should, be, we should pay more careful attention to what we've heard lest we drift away. 
And there's a drifting happening in society right now from the plumb line of this word here. There's a drifting from the word of the Lord. And, and here's a sober promise for us. If you harden your heart and stiff neck and stiff arm, words of instruction, you will stray from the words of knowledge. Matter of fact. And so we have self-centeredness that's getting exposed and removed by discipline and instruction. We want our kids to learn that. We want to learn that because we want to move in wisdom and not in foolishness. We want to move away from being wise in our own eyes. It's a command in chapter three. Do not be wise in your own eyes. One last verse in Proverbs 26. Proverbs 26. Here's 10 descriptions of a fool. Long list made to get your attention so he can just smack you across the vase with verse 12. Here's 10 descriptions of a fool in Proverbs 26. There's no honor for a fool in verse 1. It says in verse 3, the fools deserve a rod to beat their backs like donkeys. It says fools are full of folly twice in verse 4 and 5. It says if you trust in a fool, it would be comparable to cutting off your feet or drinking poison. So fools aren't looking so good at this point in the scripture, but it keeps going. If you listen to a fool who tries to teach wisdom, who gets the place of authority to try to teach, it's like a lame man trying to walk on his useless legs. It's pointless. If you give honor to a fool, don't think of modern American politics right now, but if you give honor to fools, it's like tying a stone in a sling. It's very dangerous to do that. If you let a fool teach, it's like giving a drunkard a thorn bush to swing around. But wait, there's more. If you hire a fool to work in your business, it's like giving an archer free reign to just shoot at random in a crowd of people, just wounding people all over the place. And the disgust that you feel when I say what I'm about to say is the disgust the Lord feels when he watches a fool live. When a dog returns to his vomit, that's the same as a fool returning to his sinful ways. Okay, everybody get the picture? 10 items. You don't want to be like a fool. But then he gets to verse 12. Listen, but do you see a person wise in their own eyes? There's more hope for a fool than for them. Mic drop. Do not be wise in your own eyes because there's more chance for that person that I just described with those 10 things to get it right than you. Just let that breathe for a moment. <laughs> Finish up with 1 Peter chapter 5. Word of my heart is humility right now because I'm pointing this sermon at myself. We want to do what the Lord wants. 
I mentioned last week I was driving and I saw a woman walking down the street with a big sign on her shirt, I do what I want. And I told you guys, yes, yes you do and I can write the rest of the story. Because doing what we want actually leads to doing what we don't want to do. Because Romans 7 says, the very things I don't want to do, I do. Because why? Because sin leads to slavery and death. So the very things I want to do in my flesh turn turn out to be the very things that I don't want to be doing. I start drinking in high school because it's fun. So I want to break the rules and do that. Well, you're 40 years old and you're an alcoholic and you don't want to do it anymore. And that's, that's your life. But if I do the things I don't want to do, meaning obey the Lord, if I do what he wants, then I end up doing what I want. I do righteousness. And so 1 Peter chapter 5, I think is really beautiful in a church setting. I want to end, end with this. In verse 5, it says, in the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. And all of you clothe yourselves with humility towards one another. Because God opposes the proud, but he shows favor to the humble. So humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time, comma, casting all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. Be alert. And of a sober mind, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to, to devour. We've got three commands here. Submit yourselves to spiritual authority in your life. Clothe yourselves with humility towards one another, which is all about our actions. Clothing is all about our deeds. This phrase, clothe yourself, is to tie on the servant's apron or overalls, the white apron of slaves that distinguished them from free men to gird yourselves with humility as a servant's garb. In your actions towards one another, clothe yourselves in humility. And your third command is to humble yourselves, therefore, because what I just said, he says, humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. So what he's telling us to do, submit yourselves, meaning accept these unwanted circumstances in your life sometimes, where you have to submit because of the scripture, even though you know better than they do, you believe, you're submitting yourselves to God, not to that man or woman, because the scripture says to do it. And then to tie on a servant's apron, meaning what can I do to prefer others ahead of myself? And then to humble yourselves under God's mighty hand is to obey with a cheerful heart, summed up with, this is you I'm humbling myself to, not these people here. Why? Why would he have us do this or focus on this? Well, it's because of verse 8. Why should we do this? Because the attack is imminent. Be alert and of a sober mind. Because listen, the enemy is prowling around you, church, right now, looking for someone to devour. Who gets peeled off from the flock? Those who are stiff-necked and will not listen to correction and instruction and say, I don't need y'all. That's who gets peeled off. Or for those who feel isolated and hurt and wounded. And there is that. I'm not diminishing that. But the enemy is looking to devour such people. 
So what's the guard? Humble yourselves. Submit yourselves to one another. Humble yourselves under God's mighty hand. Be teachable. Go and and come empty and say, I'm ready to learn. I need because I do not have. I want to at least, at least offer some hours of my week or my month to go pursue wisdom. If Sheba went 75 days, 1,500 miles and $30 million. I'm going to go after you. I'm going to set my heart on wisdom because I want to walk in authority, ruling and reigning in life. And so Lord will help us with this, I believe. I believe if you, anyone who desires to seek the Lord will be found by the Lord. It's a promise. No superintelligence needed. Just a humble heart that's willing to obey. I love you all. I love you all. Let's stand together. I just want to invite you this morning to, uh, to come up and receive prayer as, as led. No one knows what stiff-arming means except you in your life. But you know exactly what that means. And I just believe the Lord would answer prayers if you want to, to learn, if you want to receive wisdom, we ask and we will receive. The Lord gives wisdom. If you want a life of, in the word, a life of prayer, and a life of pursuit, but you're like, I don't even know where to start, or I've tried and failed so many times, come up and receive prayer this morning. This is not about your self-discipline or your effort. This is just simple obedience to his commands. If you know the Lord's calling you into a place that you've never been before and you feel nervous about that, but you are ready to take that step, come and receive prayer this morning. And obviously you're free to go, but please linger, please receive if these words touched your heart, if the word of the Lord touched your heart this morning. Lord, I pray a blessing over my brothers and sisters today. I pray, Lord, that you would make us a humble people and teachable, God. I pray this word just go deep into our hearts for those who are here, for those who are listening right now. I pray that we would respond in humility to your voice. We love you, Lord, and we trust you. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen and amen. Bless you all, bless you all.